Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder, and I'm here to help you rock your hormones and feel great in your body so that you can reclaim more energy, vitality, and joy and become the CEO of your health. Let's jump on in. Honestly, I had no idea the impact that food played on my body until I was in my mid to late 20s. Yet for years, and I'm talking a lot of years, I had terrible PMS issues, migraines, and my weight would fluctuate like a roller coaster ride at Magic Mountain. Now, this was a time when I was eating lean cuisines for dinner, sugary protein bars for lunch, and adding a decent amount of sugar to my coffee every single morning on the daily. And I thought... I was making healthy decisions for my body. Straight up, sugar was my fuel source, especially around 2 to 4 p.m. when I felt the big crash coming on. Little did I know that those sugar crashes in the afternoon were created by eating sugar earlier in the day, and I was basically feeding, swinging blood sugar spikes and crashes throughout my day. No wonder I had crazy mood swings. And still, I didn't connect the dots to my crappy symptoms and my relatively high processed food and sugar habits. Now, once I was confronted with having to make some pretty serious health changes, I did what came very naturally to me. I dug into the research around the power of nutrition as a way to fuel the body, improve energy levels, heal the gut, and communicate with our cells. Because food is information. And what I know to be true, and I've talked about this on this podcast all the time, is that food is either moving us closer or further away from inflammation. Yet, at the time, I still didn't put the pieces together that food had a massive impact on our reproductive system. Most specifically, how glucose metabolism and insulin plays a critical role in how our reproductive system and our hormones function literally on a daily basis and a monthly basis and throughout our pregnancy journey. For women, reproduction and bringing a little human into the world involves a great deal of change and growth and massive demands of energy from our bodies. Perhaps for these reasons, women's fertility and reproductive health appear to be much more intimately linked with insulin and insulin resistance than men. But most people, I know that was me for sure, would never imagine that insulin played such a big role when it comes to reproductive health. Yet insulin is absolutely necessary for normal reproduction. And this is why nourishing our bodies with healing foods can really make a massive shift, not only in how our menstrual cycle functions, but also in preparing our bodies to get pregnant if that's what we're looking to do. Now, if you wanna dive into the relationship that your menstrual cycle plays in all of this, please go check out last Friday's episode, just two episodes ago, episode 286, on what you need to know about the relationship between blood sugar levels and your menstrual cycle. What I loved about this episode was the deep dive in how the shifts and changes in the four phases of our menstrual cycle can change how our insulin responds to the body, whether it's more sensitive or less sensitive. And based on that information, how we eat and the type of fuel that we give our body can really determine whether we're feeling amazing or we're not feeling so hot. So if you want a deeper dive in how our cycle can literally shift the way insulin is functioning in the body, go check out episode 286. 
Now today, the focus is on understanding and connecting the dots between what we put in our body as fuel and how it impacts our reproductive system, especially when you're trying to get pregnant and during pregnancy, because that's really the big reproductive system. That's what we want to look at is how does our body respond as we're priming up for reproduction and throughout the process of pregnancy. You know, a lot of us go through this whole process. Many of us are prepping for it now. So I think knowing this information is so critical because it allows us to not only have a body that works for us, but also it allows us to provide and bring in a healthy little human into the world, which I know is so, so important to many of us. So what I want to do is I want to first focus on PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. Now, although there are four types of PCOS and I cover all four of them in episode 132, I want to quickly touch upon the most common cause of PCOS. As many as 40% or more of women who have PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, also have insulin resistance, a condition that leads to high glucose levels and is the potential for prediabetes and type 2 diabetes. In many cases, insulin resistance may actually be the root cause of PCOS symptoms, playing a role in causing the condition in the first place, as well as exacerbating the symptoms. And I believe that 100% to be true. Now, when experiencing insulin resistance, your body may try to pump out high levels of insulin in an effort to keep your blood sugar levels normal. Now, too high levels of insulin can cause your ovaries to produce more androgens, such as testosterone. This overproduction of androgens drives multiple cysts of the ovaries and can lead to infertility. Now, as I mentioned, I have a lot of other episodes on PCOS inside of this podcast. I have many of them, including episode 132. So if you wanna dive deeper into that and how to manage PCOS, definitely go check out those other episodes. What I wanted to just paint the picture right now is how our insulin levels and insulin sensitivity can impact not only our reproductive system and cause PCOS, but also what it can do when we're pregnant as well. So as you can imagine, having too much insulin pumping throughout the body can affect our ability to get pregnant. It's one of the first things we need to look at when women are struggling to ovulate and to have a period. Now, the thing to not do is to put women on hormonal birth control because it is not a root cause approach. It is a band-aid with side effects. Now, I recognize that hormonal birth control can be helpful and can alleviate symptoms, but don't we all deserve a root cause approach as well? Because what I know to be true is hormonal birth control does not fix or cure or get to the root cause of anything. Again, it's just one big band-aid. So especially when it comes to us wanting to get pregnant or keep our fertility healthy, hormonal birth control is not gonna get the job done there. So what I recommend, I'm normally recommending reducing sugar, late night snacking, resetting circadian rhythms, boosting magnesium, intermittent fasting, even if it's just a 12 hour fast, and strength training are some of the recommendations that I give when I'm working with someone to get their menstrual cycle back on track and to boost fertility. Now mind you, those are general recommendations and everybody's body is unique, but that is a great place to start. And I will be diving into these strategies more at the end of this episode. Okay, so now that I painted the picture of what can happen when we are struggling with fertility, it could be PCOS and definitely there are other pieces to the puzzle, but looking at insulin levels is definitely something we always need to explore. I wanna also talk about what happens once we're pregnant because there are some other major important considerations. Now, an important note that is fascinating and normal is the relationship between insulin and pregnancy. 
Insulin, as you may know, is a growth hormone. It's a growth signal, turning an anabolic process into increasing cell sizes and sometimes even their number. So basically it's helping for cells to grow and making sure that we have what we need for a pregnant body to grow. And insulin is a major player here. Insulin helps the placenta grow. It helps breast tissue develop in preparation for breastfeeding and even helps ensure mom has enough energy available for the demanding process of pregnancy by increasing her body's inclination to store fat. So this is super critical. Insulin is playing a major role basically in the multiple levels of growth that happen during pregnancy. In fact, to make this happen, insulin receptors are increased in pregnant women's fat tissue at the onset of pregnancy during the first trimester, and then it will return to normal levels after birth. Basically, fat tissue grows more readily during pregnancy because our fat tissue's heightened response to insulin is higher than ever before in our lifetime, right? So it's going to happen more when we're pregnant than ever before. Now, pregnancy is one of those very few instances where insulin resistance appears to be normal and even helpful. Yes, pregnancy is a naturally insulin-resistant state due to the reasons that I shared above. Hence, no wonder my OBGYN felt so confident that I would have high insulin resistance at the age of 41, so much so that she didn't think I was going to pass my fasting blood glucose test. And luckily I did, but the reason for that is that oftentimes women who are 40 years old and older and they're pregnant already are experiencing insulin resistance in their normal life due to lifestyle choices and then pregnancy can actually send that insulin resistance over the edge into gestational diabetes, which I'm about to get to in just a second. Now, what's important is that a healthy woman becomes 50% less insulin sensitive, so their insulin sensitivity drops by 50% at the end of her pregnancy as she was at the beginning of pregnancy. Hence, that's why we're tested for gestational diabetes at the end of the second trimester or early third trimester as insulin resistance becomes even more prominent and if left unchecked, could lead to concerns with the fetus. Now, in the case of pregnancy, insulin resistance is a good thing. It's a natural thing. It's meant to happen. The technical term for this is physiological insulin resistance, meaning insulin resistance with a purpose, that it's meant to happen. Now, as pregnant women's bodies become more insulin resistant, insulin levels increase, which drive placental tissue growth, which is what we want. We want the placenta to grow. We want the baby to grow. We want all of that to grow. Now, insulin also stimulates growth and development of the growing baby, which a lot of people don't realize. So just as elevated insulin is preparing the maternal body for optimal pregnancy function, it's also giving the fetus a critical growth signal to keep on growing. Now, the most obvious reproduction-related disorder with insulin resistance in women who are pregnant is gestational diabetes. This happens when the woman becomes sufficiently insulin-resistant during the course of her pregnancy and that her insulin is not enough to keep blood sugar levels stable at normal levels. At this point, normal physiological insulin resistance has become a dangerous situation to the health of mama who is pregnant with the baby. This becomes more of a risk factor as we get older, as I mentioned earlier, and there are definitely other risk factors to consider as well, such as pre-pregnancy body weight, age, which I mentioned a second ago, family history of diabetes, and ethnicity. Different ethnicities can actually raise the risk for gestational diabetes. Now, unfortunately, even if 
a woman has no evidence of insulin resistance or type 2 diabetes before pregnancy, developing gestational diabetes increases her likelihood of developing type 2 diabetes later in life. In fact, on average, her risk of developing type 2 diabetes is sevenfold higher when compared with a woman who did not have gestational diabetes during pregnancy. That's why it's so, so critical to monitor this and to really nourish your body with healing foods during the pregnancy so that you don't find yourself in a state of gestational diabetes because down the road, that can definitely lead to major metabolic dysfunction and other levels of inflammation over time. Now, more severe insulin resistance during pregnancy, which usually manifests as gestational diabetes, increases the risk for developing one of the most lethal pregnancy disorders that you could get, which is preeclampsia, a dangerous change in kidney function. Women who develop more dramatic insulin resistance during early pregnancy are significantly more likely to develop preeclampsia during the second half of pregnancy. So that's super important to recognize because this can lead to having to give birth to your baby sooner than you may have planned. And it could also affect a baby's birth weight. So lastly, for a mother with more dramatic pregnancy insulin resistance, such as maternal gestational diabetes and or polycystic ovarian syndrome, the most common result is that an infant may be born with a higher birth weight than normal. The fetus has developed an insulin and possibly glucose-rich environment, thriving beyond what is typical. This may seem benign, but it has lasting effects. These infants are roughly 40% more likely to be obese and have metabolic complications in their teenage years and beyond. So ever the more important is not only us taking care of our bodies during our pregnancy, but really setting our infants and our babies and children up for success moving forward in their life. Now, I recognize there's a lot of complexity and there is a lot of nuances when it comes to this relationship between blood glucose levels, insulin, and our reproductive health. But it's important that there's some simple daily lifestyle changes that we can do to not only set up our reproductive health for success, but to help our menstrual cycle work properly, to help pregnancy go smoothly, and to ensure that our babies are super healthy when they're born. Now, I did share a lot of these recommendations for women who are wanting to support and optimize their reproductive health in that last episode. But what I want to do is I want to go over them again today. I shifted them slightly because initially I was talking about specific specifically when we are insulin resistant in our menstrual cycle, which happens every single month. But here I want to give general recommendations for just optimizing blood sugar level so that we just have a reproductive system that is thriving and working for us. So number one is always the mindset. The mindset is so critical here that your body is worthy of healing, that your body is healthy and thriving. It's just a lot of positive affirmations around what you deserve in terms of a healthy healing body because when we believe that we deserve health and we believe that we can be healthy, it really opens the door for endless possibilities. Number two is honor and listen to your body. So this means focus on daily non-negotiable self-care such as walking outside, taking your supplements every single day, writing in your journal if you have one, listing things that you're grateful for, drinking your favorite tea, your favorite water, just really just doing the self-care that you know is going to move the needle for your health that feels non-negotiable for you. And for each and every one of us, it's a little bit different, but goodness knows we have got to make time for ourselves every day or we are 
absolutely going to mess our metabolic system up and it's going to have a profound impact on our reproductive system as well. I mean, that's why it's always recommended that if you are looking to really support your your reproductive system, your menstrual cycle, reducing stress, reducing, you know, firing off that stress response system is going to be so critical and how you can preemptively set yourself up for success with that is by doing the self-care so that your body's feeling nourished, you're feeling like you have got a plan, that you know what your priorities are, that you have set the tone for your day so that things don't sideswipe you or take you off track that make you feel more stressed out. Next is listen to your body and go to bed when you start to feel tired. So don't try to slip in that next episode of The Queen's Gambit or Bridgerton or accidentally push your bedtime to 10.30 p.m. or later, right? Because that's what can happen. That next episode of The Office or whatever it is that you're watching all of a sudden adds up and now it is 1 o'clock in the morning when you wanted to go to bed at 10 o'clock, 10.30. And finally, last but not least, nutrition is the biggest needle mover here. If there's anything you walk away from this conversation is one, we've got to make sure that our blood sugar levels are stable throughout our entire Entire life, but especially during pregnancy. And so here are some tips to help you optimize your blood sugar and insulin. First and foremost, when it comes to insulin sensitivity, I still recommend 12 hours without food between dinner and breakfast the next day. This gives your cells and your mitochondria the rest and reset that they deserve, and it also helps your insulin levels to stabilize. With that in mind, consider eating earlier dinners around 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. since you are always most insulin resistant at night given our 24-hour circadian rhythms. The earlier that you can have your biggest meal, the better because during the day is when we're burning off calories. At night is when we're storing. Now, we naturally wind down in the evening, and guess what? Our metabolism does the same as I was mentioning a second ago. So eating earlier and focusing on protein and veggies for dinner is going to be the best way to optimize your metabolism and your blood sugar levels. This is definitely not the time to pack on a lot of wine or a lot of carbohydrates or a lot of dessert because all of that's just going to end up getting stored. And lastly, I really want to strongly advise avoiding late night snacking, especially foods that are full of sugar and carbs. Your body, again, has to store this as extra calories as fat instead of utilizing them because there's nowhere to utilize them. You're not going for a walk after you eat that late night snack, right? You're probably sitting at the TV or sitting in bed. We are not actually burning any of that off as fuel. We end up having to store it and we store it as belly fat. We store it in our booty and our thighs and we store it in our liver. So instead, what I recommend is doing something else like making a tea or making a matcha or do like a sparkling water with lemon, like something that can fill that void, but is not adding excess calories to your body and to that storage system. So what I recommend, I personally love making rooibos teas because they're creamy. I add a touch of unsweetened almond milk and a sprinkle of cinnamon. And anytime I'm feeling like I want something, like I need some chocolate or I need whatever it may be, I immediately make that tea and it always satisfies that craving and just kind of knocks it to the curb. Now, I know and I recognize that when you've especially had a stressful, exhausting day, self-soothing with food can really, really help support you on an emotional level. But whether it supports us on an emotional level or not, it has a negative impact on our metabolism and it will majorly, I know because I have seen it, With my CGM, it will majorly spike your blood sugar levels. Like honestly, if you wanted a treat, 
I recommend doing that in the morning than doing it late at night because your body responds differently. Like let's say I ate a cookie, the same exact cookie. I ate it at 10 in the morning. Maybe I'd have a blood sugar spike of like 120 milligrams per deciliter. But if I had that same cookie at 10 p.m., I would spike way past like 150 milligrams per deciliter because my body is in a burning mode during the morning in a storage mode at the end of the night. So we just become more insulin resistant. So if you are like, I got to have that chocolate, I got to have that treat, Try to have it in the morning. That's when we do best with carbs and best with sugar is in the morning. And then focus on if you have to have a snack in the evening, it's protein and maybe a little bit of fat. That won't drive insulin resistance and affect your metabolism as much. All right. Now, what I recommend, especially for the mornings, because this is one of my favorite, favorite foods, to get those carbs in the morning to really help support your metabolism is by drinking a green smoothie or you can pair fruit with some protein. So if you are looking for some amazing green smoothie recipes, I'm gonna be sharing my best recipes that I've been using for over a decade in my Healthy Shaken Smoothie Guide, and I will have the guide in the show notes for episode 288. And I also recommend protein at every single meal along with fiber. What I mean by fiber is veggies, so that you can give your body the right building blocks to support the liver and your gut health because those also matter significantly. Your liver is playing a major role in insulin resistance and insulin sensitivity, so is your gut. So we wanna make sure that we are loving up on all the systems here, especially for your reproductive health. Now, when you're incorporating carbs, be thinking about carbs like sweet potatoes, squashes, berries, and other complex healthy carbs so that you satisfy that carb craving without spiking your blood sugar glucose. Again, this is why I love the green smoothies in the morning because they satisfy all of those cravings in the morning and it's the perfect time to be drinking something like that. Now, if you wanna learn more about the impact of certain carbs and sugar on our metabolism, I did do an episode a couple weeks back, episode 284. This has all been a little bit of a series. And that was what a continuous glucose monitor taught me about my metabolic health. And I break down a lot of these, like just understanding what we eat every single day will impact our metabolism, whether we know it or not. And foods and drinks that support you during this time are going to be protein sources, water, tea, healthy carbs, especially in the morning time, healthy fats like olive oil and avocados and lots and lots of veggies. Those are gonna be the really important foods to be focusing on. That's the protein, the fiber, and the healthy fats. Lastly, especially when it comes to boosting our reproductive health, supplementation is critical here. And that's why women are always recommended to take prenatals and to be taking that not only, you know, six months prior to getting pregnant, but also throughout the pregnancy. And I have an episode on all of that as well. When I was pregnant, I did so much research on what supplements to be taking, but I just wanna go over them really quickly in terms of stabilizing insulin levels to support your reproductive health. And the beautiful thing is, is a lot of the supplements that are recommended for helping to stabilize insulin levels, no surprise, are also designed to help support your reproductive health. So number one is full spectrum activated B vitamins are a must. 15 to 25 milligrams of zinc, 1,000 milligrams of vitamin C, 5,000 units of vitamin D3 with K1. These are all really big players, not only for our reproductive health, but supporting insulin. But the mega, mega players are going to be 300 milligrams of magnesium, 200 micrograms of chromium, 300 to 500 milligrams of berberine, 600 milligrams of alpha-lopaic acid, and 2,000 milligrams of myonositol, 
and 50 milligrams of D-Cairo inositol. Now, I happen to carry a lot of these supplements in my Essentially Whole store, including the one I wanna feature today, which is my Metabolic Restore Blend, which has almost all of the ingredients I mentioned, along with my Adrenal Love. Like, those two combined will help not only stabilize insulin levels, but help to support the stress response system that drives insulin resistance as well. Like that combination is so, so powerful for dialing in your metabolism. Now, my entire line, as always, is dedicated to healing nutrient deficiencies found when our hormones are imbalanced. My entire supplement series is all about women's hormone health and balancing women's hormonal imbalances. My goal is to always fill in those gaps so that your body has the building blocks to heal naturally. Because yes, we need these critical building blocks for our bodies to function. And at the end of the day, when you adopt a healthy lifestyle that focuses on healing foods and you're also supporting your blood glucose levels and ensuring that insulin is in that right zone where it's very sensitive, you are extending your reproductive longevity. And this is always a win for us as women. This state of reproductive longevity not only allows us to have children later on in life if we choose to do so, it also eases us into menopause with fewer symptoms along with more energy. So although I focus a lot on how insulin plays out during pregnancy, so much of this information pertains to us every single day. And with that said, if there is someone who is trying to get pregnant or is pregnant and wants to know how to take care of her body during pregnancy, definitely share this episode because I know there's a lot of aha moments that happen for us when we realize that relationship between our insulin metabolism and our pregnancy and our reproductive health as a whole. Because the more that we understand about our body's physiology, the better prepared we can be around getting pregnant and maintaining a healthy pregnancy. So that is what I wanted to share with you today. You know, when I was doing this research and really kind of unpeeling the layer around our metabolic health and our reproductive health, I realized that there were so many things that I was just never told. And these last several episodes that I've been doing these last couple of Fridays, I've just learned more and more and more. I knew a lot of this, but there were definitely pieces that I didn't know. And so I'm hoping that this opened the door for really understanding that connection between what we eat, our metabolism, and our menstrual cycle and reproductive health. Well, I hope you enjoyed this deep dive into the relationship between our metabolic health and our reproductive health. This relationship is critical to how we feel on a daily basis. And I just want you to feel as great as possible. Now, coming up next Tuesday, I have a dear friend, Brianna Wilkerson, jumping on and talking about why your health and your worth is so much more than your weight. Ooh, There were many, many years where I thought my worth was tied to how skinny I was or what size jeans I wore. And this episode is for so, so many of us. So until then, have an amazing week and I will see you soon.